0: back the in the Heading the game podcast it's been too long and there's been too many things to talk about so this is going to be you know quite the heavy episode uh turner is back from his travels in ukraine uh where which we will definitely mention a little bit on this episode but we'll talk about in depth later i'm coming here from chicago where i've been watching uh more ukraine games it's really a ukrainian summer for both of us um but turner before we get dive into things how you doing man
1: good how are you Chaz uh been been a been a minute but a lot of a lot of stuff to discuss I'm excited
0: definitely I, I I for one am I think like emotionally hungover from last night and that'll that'll be the first thing we talk about we'll get into Euros later in the episode we'll talk about the end of the Premier League season and the Champions League like we're, we're behind but we're, we're gonna catch up uh but first things first Uh, The CONCACAF Nations League concluded last night uh, in a thrilling final between the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, U.S. pulls it out 3-2. Christian Pulisic, penalty kick, and then an incredible Ethan Horvath penalty save on Andres Guardado uh, in the second half of Extra Time to win in Denver. There was a fair amount of controversy, uh, you know, you know, a, an incident of friendly fire of a Mexican fan throwing a, a beer and accidentally hitting a Mexican player in the face. The game was stopped for homophobic chance. And it was just sort of, you know, a peak CONCACAF affair. But Turner, first things first, um, pretty amazing win for a young, up and coming, full of talent American team.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I first kind of want to just ask you I, I don't, to be quite honest, I, um, especially after not qualifying for the World Cup, I haven't been. Super I mean, like just not, not following it, but uh my attention span slash support for the US hasn't been satisfactory. I have admit my point just my, my question for you, Chaz, is can you explain this what tournament this was? Cause I will be fully honest, before this game I didn't follow a single match. I I know they played like Honduras, right, in the semifinal point is I, I it just felt like a USA Mexico game. So that was why everyone was really excited. I knew it was like a final, but I didn't really know what the final, like what this cup is, what it really signifies. So I was just kind of like, uh, I, I didn't, that that didn't mean anything to me to make the game more than just like a, a USA Mexico clash, which is always, is
0: always a lot of, you know, that's it by itself is exciting. So. Oh no. Yeah. It's um. so, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, like the Euro- European, uefa nations league people are still like what the fuck is this uh and this is a very similar competition it's sort of like a fake competition like you know CONCACAF still has the gold cup which is its continental competition it's it's copa america it's euros whatever and there's this new nations league which i think is just trying to reduce the number of meaningless friendlies that are played in favor of just some level of structures you know there's a trophy i do think it has like Seeding benefits for World Cup qualifiers or some shit like something like that. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it's actually been going on since 2019. So the group stage was two years ago, Jeez, uh, and the final was now. And so, like in between those two, you know, like if you go back and look at, uh you know, who the U.S. like this is the same competition that the U.S. lost to Canada in, in the group stage, the Alfonso Davies, and like if you look at that lineup, you know, it's got Pulisic, but it's got Michael Bradley was starting, yeah. uh, you know, Aaron Long, DeAndre Yedlin was still on the team he started last night, Jordan Morris, this was pre, of course, his ACL injury that he suffered with Swansea uh, in the spring. Uh, but it's, you know, it's definitely a competition that's gone on so long that it's really captured the generational shift of the U.S. men's national team in which you know those players like Bradley, who had been there for like a decade and who I think a lot of U.S. national team fans had gotten – pretty tired of seeing within the starting lineup have been replaced by you know really bright talents like tyler adams who got off the bench last night it's like first match back from injury um and then of course this incredibly good young core um that i think reflects you know what a lot of people think burr halter does best which is recruit you know get these dual nationals to to the team i think there's obviously still questions about his tactical acumen um his selections and substitutions but overall if you're a national team you're going to take the highest level of talent you can get and i i think it's pretty clear that this men's national team is the most talented u.s team ever uh just if you look from like top to bottom like where these guys are playing where they're getting minutes um and the level of play is really good and so you know after like the first 20 minutes of last night where mexico is thoroughly outplaying the us they really got back into the game and it, and it really started looking good uh, do, so, do you have a standout performer that you were impressed with last night from the U.S. or even even the Mexico side? I thought.
1: I mean, I, to be quite honest, I don't, again I don't watch enough Bundesliga, but I don't I haven't really fully understood the hype around Gio Reyna. Uh I I just haven't seen enough of his game, uh, especially at Dortmund. To I, like, uh, you know, I just think you know to extent, Chaz, I'm sure you can agree. A lot of this feels like because we haven't had any good players that as soon as a 19 year old starts playing a top five league, it's like. You know he's he's unreal, uh, and I think Giorgina deserves a lot of the hype. But there's some, like who's the who's the winger who plays for Barcelona, like Conrad or like, like Conrad de who la Fuente?
0: It's like, who hey, just, that's, like, no that's Barcelona that. B. Barcelona B. Yeah, of I know the it's season. Barcelona Conrad Barcelona B. Player of the season, Conrad De La Fuente. To you, Turner.
1: Uh, apologies. You can tell my nationalism for our team. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but I, I still want the team to do well I'm just kind of I'm, I'm pessimistic right I, I need to be I need the team to prove to me that I need to be excited about it but I mean I think I, I, again because I didn't know the competition I didn't even know if they'd have like their starting squad like just like their best squads out on the field but uh, that's an impressive Mexico team I mean I think that's really the the high the, the big thing is like that Mexico team is no joke right um, that, that 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 side which is, I think, why it's great that we have this rivalry with them is it's not like a rivalry where the other team we're playing is just kind of like, you know, like subpar and, and kind of represents, like, North America's kind of, I mean, dare I say, like, I don't think Canada... uh, It's like, you know, the quality of soccer is... Yeah. It's, not, it's not on the same level as Europe, but I, but I think Mexico has clearly, especially in the World Cup, you know, beating Germany, like, like they proved themselves. So, like, that's not a team that isn't to be taken seriously, so then for us to be competing with them and, again, winning last night, I think is just showing that we're on the right path. Um, I think it just all comes down to World Cup qualifying and making sure that that goes smoothly because I, I I think that's really... That was pretty... I mean, that was... That that Trinidad game. I and mean, we've talked about it before, but just, like... And I, I, I don't think u.s has any plans on replicating any of that right and i don't yeah, i mean think they, they can't
0: they can't totally can't, now trinidad's can't. been eliminated by the bahamas thank sure, okay. you by like, trinidad 10th worst team in the world bahamas for clutching up for us there <laughs>
1: um but yeah it's exciting i, I like liked uh i was worried about tim ream uh <laughs> starting oh uh, jesus christ i think we all need to be worried about him um stefan played well i i again like stefan's a great example of like you know backup keeper for city that's pretty impressive but like he had that nightmare game it was against chelsea in the summer, yeah like?
0: against chelsea yeah. yeah
1: so like you know and that didn't look good but but still to be in that city squad is like impressive so i just like didn't know how good he is especially where you know historically like you said i mean you mentioned bradley you mentioned some of these old faces have been there for 10 years and none of them could have been, have been super impressive but like tim howard was always like a rock like that was the one thing we had was a goalie uh so uh i'm just hoping you know that that like and i mean uh geez what i i mean i didn't know the kid until the save last night What? what's his uh ethan,
0: ethan horvath
1: horvath um very impressive my point just being like that like um do you i mean what was stefan uh what was the injury again i, I kind of forgot
0: I, I think he had like a he had something with his knee quad injury i, I think he went to an mri last night but Horvath, Horvath's a very fascinating story. So he yeah. I think he's actually a free agent now. He played at Bruges last season. He made a like an appearance in the Champions League after like a year and a half out, um, you know, lifted up by his teammates. Um, and then to come into the game, uh, and you know, even past the penalty save, like played really well, like was coming out for crosses, it was like was really marshalling that defense. Um defense was a very weird thing for the US because you know you had super experienced guys like Tim Ream. And then you had, you know, Mark McKenzie, former Wake Forest player, Eakes, uh, who, you know, started the game off, you know, really shakily giving the ball away for uh, the yes, Mexico's right. first goal. Uh, and then I think, you know, recovered himself. You know, it was very clear that when he got the ball for the rest of the game, that he was trying to get it away as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, not really playing it around, uh, booing it long. Um, but, you know, I was really, imp- I, I thought Gian and Giorina played well. I think, I mean, Weston McKinney, Played, I think, really well and just especially just offset pieces because, you know, um, this is an area where the US like should excel. Uh, Like, I think just on paper, just taller guys who can jump higher. Uh, But Wes McKenney is like a freak of an athlete. Um, Played, you know, he scored, I've seen him score that goal for Juventus, you know, saw him score that goal for Schalke. Uh, And he that like to go down 2 1 uh, late. And then just score that equalizer instantly and
1: so quickly, after. And so quickly. And you knew it would be one of those, like, quick responses or else he was just not looking. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things where then you're just waiting for the clock to run out. Yeah, no, that was – I mean, he's always been impressive. Again, like, that's kind of what I've been – what I was just trying to say is that, like, him and Pulisic, in my mind, have cemented themselves as, like, incredibly legitimate players who, yep. who can themselves both in club and national level um so it's just kind of some of these younger kids like Tyler Adams like I just haven't wa- seen enough of him at Leipzig to be like super excited about him but he, he looked like he uh he's gonna be you know a good part of that team and, and Dest is is getting to the the McKenny uh Pulisic level for me in terms it's not already there just like watching some of Barcel's games and seeing that he's he's not just like a part of that he, he, like they need him you know he, he has a role in that team which for an American to be can you imagine, like i yeah. you imagine watching like el clasico and thinking that like an american could fit into that i mean okay maybe not the t- 2011 2012 like, like that would like, <laughs> be there, the farce of the real teams but point being that like that those players are getting not only in the top five leagues but like in some of the best teams in the world so um
0: yeah and i mean i think that's actually you know a fitting transition because not only are they in some of the best teams in the world but two of them were actually in on the Champions League finalist teams, you know, obviously Zach Steffen, backup for Manchester City, uh, and then Christian Pulisic, you know, I won't, I, won't, I won't go as far as to say star man for Chelsea, but consistent player, you know, starts some, comes off the bench, others uh, in a That's Champions cool. League final. Yeah. That's Champions cool. League final that uh, was, you know, I I mean, at least kind of as a Chelsea fan, I was approaching as, you know, really a game that, I was not especially optimistic for, especially given the way the last few weeks of the season went. Um, you know, that loss to Leicester in the FA Cup final, the loss to Villa on the last day of the season, despite, you know, still securing top four. Going into the match, I think it was, you know, I, I won't say that City were runaway favorites, but they were definitely favorites. And like they were definitely, I think, if, you know, if you're a betting man trying to put safe money, your money would have been very easily on City. Uh, And then to go into that game, uh, and I know, Turner, you were watching it in Ukraine, Uh, from the first, like, 10 minutes, it became very clear that this was not going to be a, you know, City romp. And I think, like, I I was really struck by just how little control City had over the game at any point, except maybe the last 15 minutes. And otherwise, Chelsea really looked the better team, which, you know, the scoreline, you know, agreed with. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, <laughs> it's a tough game. Uh, I'm. I think everyone who listens to this podcast, which isn't, of course, many, but uh, will know that uh, you know. It's our, thou, It's
0: it's growing. It's a media uh, empire. Come on. Of
1: the million people who listen to our podcast, <laughs> uh, they will know that I of all the teams in the Premier League that I, I can't stand, Chelsea's probably number one, even more than Spurs. Um, so I definitely had bias going to the game. I did not want. Uh, Chelsea to win I wanted a good game but um yeah you guys shocked everyone I I don't think anyone was expecting that uh and yeah you've thoroughly deserved um and I think there were yeah had a few chances in the beginning where I was like you know they just weren't clinical like that uh what was it like the back heel by Sterling I was like come on dude like like like, uh, and the fact that I mean well I think first we just gotta mention that the starting lineup from Pep I mean like I saw that and I was just like how are Rodri and Fernandinho not going to get in this side? Like, are you that? Kind of, like, did you? Just, I, 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 yeah. I mean, what, what did you think about that? You must, were you psyched that uh, it was all attacking? Because, I mean, like, I guess that might have been nervy. It, 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 like, if, if City played like they have been all season, like, even more attacking options might have been like Jesus. But, I mean, to have Gunnigan, was Gunnigan, like, like, technically their deepest player? Yeah. I mean, so he
0: was sort of playing, like, basically as a six. And, you know, I think so obviously city and Chelsea had played twice before this in the league and the FA cup semi and Chelsea had won both. And a lot of people were like, Oh, you can't read too much into this. It's, you know, Pep was playing a weekend team. True. He was, but those games you can like never exist in a vacuum. So when Pep's approaching his lineup for the final, he's not like, Oh, I'm going to forget about those two games existing. He's looking at them and being like, okay, where are the weaknesses, where are the strengths? And I think his interpretation was that he needed a team that was able to sort of apply more pressure and, like, not have a deep-line player because the deep-line player could be exposed by counter. But, I, I look, I'm not questioning Tepcordiola and I'm not seeking to understand his strategy. I understand that he is, I think, in my mind, the like, defining great manager of the 2010s up till now. But at the same time, I think the lineup really is, like, it instantly raised a lot of questions like is this the classic pep overthink in the champions League final is this like leo is this like monaco is this is it all happening again and i don't know that far of course gundagan is a player that's played the sixth role he just hasn't played it so much this season he has been more elevated he's been more like an eight getting forward more i also think the decision to not start uh in a world in which you're not having a center defensive mid I don't really understand the decision not to have a nine I don't like think like I think the absence of both was like a very strange thing because it meant that De Bruyne was largely ineffective because he just had to drop so deep to get it and that was just Conte's zone so it's like if you're allowing conflict like, if you're not having someone who's just going to press you know Thiago Silva and Rudiger and um, Azpilicueta right off the bat and like sort of have these rotating it becomes a little harder and I think Despite talking about that, you know, I, like, think there was a tactical miscalculation. Just immense credit has to go to the Chelsea team, especially that defense, which first half of the season was being described as, like, that. Like, why didn't Chelsea spend all of the money, like, on the defense? Like, why are they spending all these attackers? And then those guys create, quite literally, like, the best like, – one of the best defenses in Champions League history, just, like, out of the blue. Like, Rudiger, who – was you know, sort of a laughing stock of a player it was like the out of the squad under Lampard. Was everyone was like, Oh, get him out, get him out. Is making like last ditch tackles against Phil Foden to deny a certain goal, is playing out of his mind as LaQuetta, who a year ago we were watching it against Bayern in the round of 16, getting absolutely shredded by Alfonso Davies and saying, Oh, that's the end of as as like a top class defender is captain in the side in the Champions League final. Fucking Tiago Silva is that old. And before his you know intro, which is really sad, comes out, plays really well. Andres Christensen off the bench. Like, like, these are not guys that you'd ever expect to be putting up those numbers in the Champions League final. And then you get to the wingbacks, who I think were the stars of the show alongside Conte. You know, Chilwell can't ever claim that he was overpriced now. I mean, like, I think a lot of people were rightly questioning the figure, played it fantastically and then to have guys like reese james coming through the academy who just absolutely put the clamps on sterling and uh gabriel jesus right until the end of the match in which they got like one pasta but i thought it looked so good and like that defense the you know the job tuchel has done in creating that resilient defense with the players he has is incredible
1: yeah yeah no i my standouts were definitely mount and james uh i I don't like Reese James, but he's he's, he's really good. Uh, and I, of course, you know, I don't like Mason Mount, but he's also a class above. Um, I thought the the Havertz goal was interesting. I thought it was it, it was a it was one of the first times I'd ever seen City's defense just look really unstructured. And uh, for Warner's Warner's run to take out both Diaz and Stones and leave Havertz solely to Zinchenko was just kind of like. How how can you let that happen? I mean, it was a counter, but uh, whatever. Uh, that was just felt really like naive and like weirdly. Not that you guys should have. I mean, look, Werner Werner should have had two easily, but um, that yeah. for, that goal, for that goal to be technically the you know the champions league the, the, the winning goal, I just thought it was just like how can how can you let that happen? You know, it, it, with with that. Uh, but you know, Havertz took it well. I guess. I mean, uh, was it he 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 didn't try. to – did he try to go around or I thought he like shot it and it kind of just like bowed I think
0: off. I think he tried to go around and the angle is like a little weird it sort of looks like he's like I think honestly if Ederson hadn't gotten a foot on it it might have just gotten straight out of bounds yeah. um, but I think he was doing it and I, I like we were talking about the lack of a deep wide six I think that goal was just testament to it because the passing lane is so open when Mount cuts onto his right foot no and yeah. But you know, literally, you we were watching that goal, and Diaz and Stones were nowhere to. You were just like, "What?" Yeah, Zinchenko gets caught. Yeah, yeah. Zinchenko I mean, gets Zinchenko caught left. Talks,
1: but my point, just like being that the fact that the two center backs have left the middle. I mean, he was. It wasn't just like a little bit to the left back side. It was literally the center of the field. Not that that's not due to Mount's uh, creativity and how Chelsea. I mean, again, Warner's run, but the fact that there wasn't the center backs were not even in frame. It felt like that when you're watching it was like how are you gonna how is that gonna happen but I mean look that's counter-attacking football which clearly Chelsea has done well this season but yeah that, that was just like when, when Hazard when when Havertz had there was like that second where like he had the open goal and he was past Edison. you were like oh fuck. <laughs> like there's no there's nothing coming back about that um and yeah, so he just never responded uh it was just like that was it um I don't think Chelsea had – uh, you had, like, one or two chances maybe in the second half. But really – Yeah, I, th- like, I, th-
0: I think – second was half was just,
1: like, what – I don't know. um So, yeah, the, the bar that I was at was, was definitely disappointed. Ukrainians were – and then to have Zinchenko – technically, Zinchenko be kind of not – I don't want to say that it was fully at fault, but for it to happen under his guard was definitely not – people were not excited mm. about that. But, um yeah, I mean – I wanted. It felt like the first half was a really great get. Like the first half was really exciting to watch. I thought both teams had a few chances, especially Chelsea, but also I think City could have been a little bit more clinical. Um, and the second half just was kind of like, like because once it was like 65th minute, you're like, come on, City, like, you, you gotta do something. And you just kind of were worried. You kept looking at the clock as it kept going and going. And then Conte made tackle after tackle, and you're just like, uh, uh, God. And then you're relying on like Sterling. Like then you realize like the City team. I don't know. At some point I was like, who's going to do something? And then, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I hate Sterling. I think he, I, 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 like there are reports that you want him and I would, that, yeah, I think that that was, that was my least favorite part about city's lineup was Sterling starting, but. um, Well,
0: I I was about to say this. I I think that's another question that's got to be asked about the lineup was because Sterling had not had a big role in the latter stages of the season under Pep. And so to start him in, the biggest game of your Manchester City career. Like when you have, you know. So weird. So weird. And it's, it makes like, uh, like less sense too when like you're, because you're playing him off the wing, Bernardo Silva is playing midfield, which means that Gundogan can't play there. And so I think like there was part of it, he wanted to get Gundogan into the team. He didn't think that there was a place for him as an eight playing midfield. It just didn't make a lot of sense. And I, I do think that like, if you're playing that game back, I think probably Pep, in Pep's mind, you know, Sterling doesn't start. Um, and uh, we, and you get, you know, Fernandinho or I mean, probably Rodri uh, into the deep line midfield. So, uh, but like truly incredible achievement for Thomas Tuchel. I am sure that, you know, his next like six months before he gets fired will be super fun to watch. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, just want
1: to say, I just want to say one thing, uh, because the thing that frustrated, well, okay, okay. I was definitely not uh, a great night. I was not psyched about it. I'm, uh, it was definitely, I mean, again, all credit to Chelsea. I have enough humility to be able to say that, but it was definitely tough to see the scenes after, which I'm sure you had an incredible few days of social media. Cause it was pretty unreal. I mean, again, deservedly so, but the thing I just got kept getting frustrated by was like, uh, I was like, aren't these the same Chelsea fans that were trying to make us feel bad for them at points this season? Aren't these the like, I was just like, I will never, I will, ne- and, and I shouldn't even before this game because you guys have had so much success recently, but I will never feel bad for a Chelsea fan. And you guys could be, you guys could get relegated next season. And I will, ne- like, I would just never, I'm never, like, I don't know. Not that it's not you, it's not, I mean, it's like a collection of just like Cooper and other people who are Chelsea fans who I'm, course close to uh you know being like whoa we're you know I, I maybe it was just like from when frank was getting like sacked and and whatever and maybe I, I like i just feel like at some point i was sympathizing with chelsea fans and considering like the just the ex- moments that your fan base has been through recently i will never in my life ever be like geez that must be hard or like i can't i don't know I, that was just what was frustrating was just like how these guys have d- have gone through titles and tournament runs that my team has not even had sniffs at uh, and uh, so that was just what was kind of like I don't know if it was frustrating it was just more that like Jesus Christ like just the levels of, of everything um but again uh I think it's too easy to just be like money wins do championships Tuchel definitely had a major role to play so uh that's just what's most astounding is where this team came from so I, I have to give yeah. credit to that but it just kind of frustrating that like of all teams to have a turnaround like that of course it, it just feels like I don't know anyway that's my little spiel
0: <laughs> yeah but I mean you know I think given where we were at the beginning of the season, because, you know, last season it was all like, oh, Chelsea are going to be terrible. We can clown on Charles. Didn't happen. This season it was like the first few months I was getting some deserved clowning on for the amount of money Chelsea spent and like the, you know, seeming lack of material improvement results. And then now we're here, European champions. What a day. Uh, Chelsea did, you know. Chelsea, it turned out, didn't need the top four spot because you know it won the Champions League. Didn't know if you heard that. Uh, but Is that
1: thing I always thought for some reason like that, like the Europa League, that meant that, but it didn't mean that if you were uh, in the Champions League. I don't know why I thought that. So, but-
0: yeah, if you win the Champions League and you win the Europa, so like the two guaranteed spots are winners of Champions League, winners of Europa League. Yeah. Europa League's new, yeah. like that's like last five years, I think. Yeah. Um, and then. Um, yeah, the but like famously, 2012 Spurs had finished fourth. Chelsea won the Champions League, which meant Spurs got kicked out of the Champions League. Uh, like didn't qualify for the Champions League, even though they were in the top four. But uh, the top four race, which was heavily studied uh, going into the final of the season, because City had very clearly wrapped it up. Um, what do we want to say about this? Oh, big storyline. Oh, Leicester. Oh, I got a feel for them. Two seasons in a row absolutely bottled it um this last season was pretty unbelievable this season was like i honestly cannot believe they did it like it's given where they were given that they'd already done it last year um you know i think uh i'm sure you have thoughts on this too but the vardy just not scoring for the second half of the season i think was a big impact they did have a little injury troubles, but like overall, just, I think questions really have to be asked because they no longer are a team with a terrible squad making it like that's a very solid team with some really great players in it that can't seem to, that seems to have a, like I hate using the word mental block in football. I don't think it applies like ever, but it, it feels like there's something there.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. That was, I mean, there were like a lot of weird storylines with like that top eight uh, situation on that the final like 30 minutes of the that final day, which is really exciting because that's always kind of fun with like teams not really knowing what's going on around the league. But um, I mean, that like screw the champions. Like that was also something I was frustrated with. I was like, these Chelsea fans, they, they, they got all the luck. I mean, like to, to think that Gareth Bale to score two, what, two goals in the last 30 minutes to save Chelsea of all teams after bottling against Villa. It was like, how am I ever gonna feel like you that like? Of course that happened. Of course it happened. That like, I mean, of course you guys could have won too, which would have, but whatever. It was just like I was watching that, and also, I mean, it would have been fun if we finished both Spurs, because if Leicester had won, we would have finished both Spurs. Because I just think that would have been kind of funny that an Arsenal's worst season of their entire existence Spurs still finished both, but. I'm not the Conference League is not, <laughs> that is not for us. I'm I'm psyched that we're not in that. So, um yeah, it was a crazy final day. Uh and yeah, Leicester definitely I I mean, just watching the last half hour of that sport, I mean, you just didn't really know what was going on. I mean, like I just felt like I mean, but then to be fair, like they got two penalties. Like it's not like they played well. You know what I mean, chat? Like wasn't like Uh, whatever. I was just kind of a weird game, and it just yeah, super weird. Felt like at the last twenty minutes, was like, uh, like that last bail goal. You were like, what? Like where he like passed it to himself off the post. (laughs) It just felt like what am I watching? Uh, so yeah, but it was it was a fun final day. Um, it's it sucked that all the relegation teams were already decided before the final day. I always love seeing that, like a team trying to survive. Um, but. So, yeah, I don't know. It was a weird – I mean, again, for Arsenal, it was a shitty season, like it always is. But um, I don't know if you have any reflections on uh, – I mean, I, I feel like, again, the Champions League now, has now, like, uh, kind of prevented a lot of, like, critique uh, – not that you were going to critique your team anyway, but just point being, what what do you have any reflections for what was a COVID-ridden but also kind of – again, I would say successful season for Chelsea, top four yeah. –
0: I mean, definitely definitely successful, given that it's, you know, top four, win the Champions League. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, No. But uh, but honestly, like, overall, I'm, like, sort of glad the season's over. It's been – it's dragged on so long. I I really do think that, like, when you watch the Champions League final at the end, uh, even, like, the FA Cup final, when you had some level of fans back, you're like, oh, this is such a better game. Uh, And, you know, it really felt that just, like, the crammed fixture list – the amount of muscle injuries that we were seeing, the fatigue really meant that the quality of intensity of this season was dramatically lower than previous years. And I think it was really evident the like last few months, because the last few months of the season were just like largely monotonous. There wasn't some, like, there were a few great games, not that many, Uh, you know, the title race was wrapped up, as you said, the relegation was wrapped up with um, Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield, Uh, moving back down to the championship and, uh, being replaced by, uh, Watford, Norwich and Brentford, who that Brentford's fun. We, I'm excited to see them. but it's, you know, it just sort of felt like you're watching games that were just like largely meaningless. Uh, the Villa game, I thought was a really bad performance. Um, but I actually want to talk to you about, uh, Arsenal a little bit because I know it it was a really shitty season. But it also ended fairly well. You guys, you know, went on a nice little win of runs near the end. You had a much better second half of the season than you had first half of the season, a lot less, like, uncharacteristic defeats. So did that sort of run make you more optimistic about Arteta's reign in the future, or are you still highly skeptical of his long-term prospects at the club?
1: I mean, I don't know. If you saw our last five games, what we played, like, I think every team was in the bottom half. Uh, the table, like, well, Chelsea. Except Chelsea, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's so funny that, of course, we do, like, the double (laughs) on you guys. I mean, of course, that's all our fans were saying, which is, I mean, just ridiculous to choose the levels of, yeah, whatever, but um, yeah, I'm still very skeptical, Uh, and I don't really have any faith in the board after, I mean, we could talk about transfers, I'm sure at some point, maybe not this episode, because we got so much to talk about, but I mean, Villa beating us to signings is like I just really shows the levels of 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 the commitment of the board. So I just don't really expect anything new, and I just don't really trust Arteta to, to really do anything too crazy with this team. But I mean, I think the only positive was just that these young the the kids on our team are are continuing to show that they're like our best players. So. Um, I'm really excited. I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't a big Smith Rowe fan, but I'm definitely excited to do what he does next season. Cause I think he has a big role to play. Um, and if anything might justify, we don't even might not even need, I, I think we need a cam, but if he can continue to grow, I mean, he looks really comfortable in that number 10 role. So um, yeah, I don't know, just kind of a bad season. Uh, and if the board decides to spend and you know, if we can get rid of a lot of players, I, I really want it to be an exciting summer, but yeah, um, just like like i don't know like just like sat like i don't know like compared to you guys we're like i mean again you won the Champions League final you have lots more funds to spend uh so that that that's not comparable but I mean, what you guys are looking at like uh was gonna be either holland or uh who's the other straight uh why am i look was was Lukaku staying now like point is yeah. like you guys are looking at the top like like holland's arguably the the next like it's holland and mbappe the two next like Ballon d'Or people for the next five years is like what all the the money's like, well, we're scraping by to get Basuma. I mean, it just kind of like just hard to get excited about, uh, stuff, but you know, maybe no Europe, uh, I think no Europe could be, it'll be something right. It'll just make a difference. So I'm just excited to see what that, what that does. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you have like a bombing having the season he did and just other players looking pretty mediocre, um, it's just, yeah, I don't know. But also, our managers, whatever. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm there's not, <laughs> uh, just a lot of problems, but um, I'm just excited for like a new season because it's always just, and then, but I think that's a good transition to what we'll be, we can be excited about now, which is uh, the next, I mean, what, first time we've had, it feels like we've forever since we've had international competition, Chaz, what, tw- Russia,
0: yeah. Russia, 2018, yeah. Years ago, years ago. Yeah, it I guess was, there's was like there's like a Copa America there, but yeah, this is this is the real deal. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Euros start this Friday. Uh, first game uh, is uh, I'm gonna mess this up. It's Italy Turkey. Um, um it, it is gonna be a fantastic tournament. This year is uh, of course it is the worst possible format for coronavirus. It is all across the continent of Europe. Uh, so you know some host cities have dropped out. Uh, some maintain uh we uh turn just jumping right in uh i want to hear your favorite your dark horse and who you think will be the biggest disappointment of the euros those three disappointment can be player team cultural idea I i don't really care anything you want uh but i think we should start with favorite um I think I think I might know what your favorite is and it does it begin with F and end with rants? Uh I, I actually
1: want to hear yours because I I don't really know. I'm still on the fence with all this stuff. So I want to hear what you have to say. Maybe you can okay. convince me of, of what
0: look. I don't think you can feasibly say that France isn't the favorite for this tournament. Uh they won the twenty eighteen World Cup. Their squad is better than when they won the twenty eighteen World Cup they have kareem benzema has returned to the national team somehow star players like Engo aconte are still playing well paul pogba regained his form throughout this year killing mbappe is better than he was in 2018 which is like sort of terrible terrifying to think about antoine griezmann is like antoine griezmann he's still there uh defensively they are absolutely stacked their manager didier deschamps still does really weird shit so like They're going to play Lucas Hernandez at left back, Teo Hernandez, who is like one of the better left backs in Europe. Didn't even make the squad somehow. So there's a lot of like really weird things going on. I think they play uh, not great football. I don't think they're an especially exciting team to watch, but they're a largely successful team. Uh, And they will get a very stern test very quickly because their group is insane. They are in a group with France, with Germany, Portugal, and Hungary. Hungary would be more dangerous except Shabashlai, I think that's how you say it, uh, is oh, out with an injury. Come
1: on, come on. Our, our Hungarian listeners are going
0: to be frustrated with that. Ah, I know. Uh, apologize. I, I apologize. I'm giving you a hard time, but that it's name. Shabashlai. Sobush, um, not sausage boy, uh, to quote, you know, one FIFA YouTuber. Uh but it's a really stern group. Um, but I think that's my pick for uh, to be favorite. Turner.
1: It's hard not to go France. I, just maybe to shake it up.
0: <sighs> like
1: I keep looking at this Portugal team, and I'm not really finding anywhere where I'm like, whoa, like that Portugal team is disgusting, Charles. Uh, yeah.
0: I mean, Have you but, read the piece on headsinthegame.com on Portugal that came out uh, yesterday?
1: i i i think i have it's a great read oh I, whoa I well, it. You... uh and i think uh their defense and their midfield are uh somewhat underrated um who do you, you think would be sanchez fernandez and who do you think is gonna be the third uh in that uh, mix? or do you not even think well i think
0: yeah i think it's going to be uh renato sanchez who uh regained his like career uh this yeah. year which was like pretty awesome um he uh is you know a guy who i thought was i mean everyone thought was incredible to watch year 2016 and his career sort of stalled um i hope i mean look they play so defensive it's not going to be this i would really like to see uh Ronaldo sanchez bernardo silva and bruno fernandez in the same midfield i think that could be really fun uh and then go like Jota Ronaldo uh and like Felix like up back. like that could be fun i do think it's going to be uh maybe Sergio Oliveira uh from Porto i don't think Ruben Neves has been that convincing this year so i don't think he gets in William Carvalho yeah uh, also possible yeah i does. do I, th- I think it's going to i think he's going to pair i think it's going to be a box to box in Ronaldo Sanchez a defensive sitter in Pereira or Carvalho, and then Bruno. Uh, but I I think Portugal are absolutely stacked. I think they, on paper, should clearly be a favorite. Uh, I just – I think they are, like, not well coached. And I don't even say this and like, they're not successful because, obviously, they won Euro 2016. They won the UEFA Nations League. Uh but if you watch those games a they're so terrible to watch like they are so boring it is like really painful to watch at points but 2018 world cup they go out to uruguay in the round of 16 and it is like everything wrong with their approach because they're so incapable of breaking down low blocks and in the euros because you get this mix of world's best teams and like mid-tier european countries you're going to play a lot of these countries that have like two like hulking center backs and just sit back and try to hit you on the counter. Like Ice is why Iceland were so successful. That's why Wales like did well. Um and in a year like this in which pressing isn't going to be an option because everyone's so fucking exhausted, I do think that they might end it uh run into some troubles there. But I do think they are very good on paper. Yeah. Uh, but they're really good. But um, we'll see. I think they for me, I'm worried that they might be a uh a disappointment uh but dark horse uh i've got my pick uh do you want to go first or i mean there's some hype
1: dark horse teams right now yes turkey do really well everyone wants to see uh i'm trying to think some of the other ones that everyone's talking about um i mean okay the team i want to be a dark horse but i don't think have the capacity to be scotland that's like my my second favorite team in this tournament um and i think they have, I think Shea Adams is really good, and I like. Uh, I think the their left side with Robertson and Tierney is is really solid. But um, I'll go with like a legitimate dark, dark horse. Uh, this is hard. Um, I I'm excited to see Norway. I'm excited. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't.
0: Norway it, Norway didn't qualify.
1: Uh sorry, I'm mistaken. sorry. I'm Switzerland. Why did I say Norway? Uh so I think Switzerland will be fun uh to uh to see play. Uh and I I I'm excited to see how Jaka plays as a Roma player. Um <laughs> uh I don't know who's your dark horse. I I'll, I'll just go with Scotland. I don't know why. I don't think they're actually like are going to be great, but I, I think they can be and I think they can upset this England team in the group stages, which I think would be exciting.
0: Yeah. I don't mm. think, okay, the team I'm going to pick isn't a real dark horse. This is like definitely cheating. Um, they're probably like the best team in their group, but they're not as good as France, Italy. I mean, no, they're not as good as France, Portugal, England, that, and that's Italy, who like haven't lost in like two years. Um, yeah. They've got a super weird squad. Like this, they've got random players that you're like, oh, I forgot about him, but they do have Chiro and Mobile, they've got Insigne, they've got Berardi. They are still starting, Chiellini and Bonucci at center back, like any great European country. Uh, they've got Donnarumma in net. Uh, they've got a lot of just, like, interesting players. Emerson from Chelsea still comes off the bench for them. So it's like a they're not a deep team. They don't have a lot of fantastic bench options, but I think they are a good team. If we're going a little lower tier, uh, I don't think they're going to win. I do think they can get out of their group and I do think they can cause some trouble. Uh, I, I honestly think Ukraine has like some options. I think, you know, they've got some good players and they also like they have the benefit of they've got a lot of players that play for like one team. Like they've got, you know, a bunch of Dino, Kiev players, uh, and can I think cause some trouble problems. And I also think that, um, not to use this as a segue, but I do think that the disappointment of the tournament is in their group. Or it's in Group B. I think the Netherlands and Belgium are not going to do very well this tournament. So
1: I think Netherlands is like an obvious, well, not yeah. obvious, meaning like they've clearly not been playing well recently. Um, and with Van Dijk, is he out for the whole tournament confirmed? I think so, right? So like there's some big injury blows. Um, so I definitely think like that's not. That's not out of the cards, and I, I agree.
0: It's not a hot take. It's not a hot take. I
1: wouldn't be surprised if England disappointed a lot. I don't want them to, but uh, I mean, Southgate continues just to make the most ridiculous decisions. Uh, and I think the squad is ta- too talented to to be super disappointing. But um, there's just a lot of pressure on that team. Chess. there's always yeah. pressure on that England team, and especially now with I mean, there's this is now officially the golden generate. I mean, like the amount of hard decisions that uh, were had to be made about this squad uh, and how deep this squad is, I don't know how uh, people would react. It won't get. I think it'll get past the group, but around a 16 exit, I think would be seen as like, you know, a well, major disappointment, right? I mean, anything less than semis feels like super disappointing for this English team. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I think Ukraine will be, I, I definitely think they can get out of their group. I don't think that's... Uh, I think that's ridiculous to say. It'll really be that Austria game, which I think will be big, and, and especially the Netherlands game on Sunday. I don't. I think they'll lose to Netherlands. I think. I think it's other teams. Like like, just Depay can, can Depay can do things on his own that like other other players can't. And I think they do have a lot of talent in midfield. But um, I don't know. I, I think I, I think a a a shout for like surprise. Like a dude to get to maybe not topical score, Yarmchuk and uh Yarmchuk could be a – like if you if you if you play fantasy Euros, get Yarm. I know everyone has Yilmaz, but Yarmchuk is a shout. I'll just say that. (laughs) So uh yeah, that and that and and I I definitely think, well, I I hope I mean imagine if Ukraine and Macedonia made out of that group, I'd be crying. Uh but I don't think that'd be incredible. Um so and North, it's, it's it's Macedonia,
0: not North Macedonia. They stick it to the Greeks. Podcast only says, "Well, I,
1: Chaz, Chaz may have some Greek affiliations. I don't know about, but uh, I am, I am, I stand with the the Greek yeah. people of Macedonia." Um,
0: but yeah, going back to what you were saying about England, though, uh, like, obviously very talented. Um, I don't think they have the best squad in the tournament. I do like they're up there. Uh, but, like, dude, I just, like, they, I have never been impressed by this England team. I don't think they were that good at the World Cup in 2018. Like, I don't think they were that good at all. Um, and, like, I don't think they've been good recently. Like, if you look at their recent results, like, yeah. yesterday's game against Romania was absolutely dreadful. They barely beat Austria. Their only, like, really decisive win is a win against 10-man Iceland. Um and then uh win against San Marino. Uh, yeah. They got beat by Belgium. They got beat by Denmark. They tied Denmark. It, it's not like a super convincing run of form. And I do think that what you're saying about pressure, um, there is no team in this competition under more pressure from its populace and from its fans than England. I think England has, at points, incredibly shitty fans. Like I think the fans that were booing the knee yesterday are emblematic of that. Uh, but you know, if you compare them to, you know, a country like Italy, where their players are talented, but like the Italian press is not like, Oh my God, they have to win. Whereas as in England, it's really like, if they don't make it to the final, it's like a failure. So uh, I think it's going to be hard. I think another team that, uh, worthy of mention is Spain. Very weird. Like, you know, we, I think we are past the point at which the generate, like the generation has definitely switched, you know? Sergio Ramos isn't in the squad for example um they're definitely still missing a goal scorer like Morata not it. I don't know if you're watching the uh Portugal the terrible you know draw against Portugal that he missed an absolute sitter um you know but they do have like uh I think their big win is America Laporte is playing for Spain which is an Like, how that guy never got called up to France is absurd. Uh, They've got uh, Marcus Lorente, who can play literally anywhere. He played second striker for Atletico Madrid and plays a right back for Spain. Uh, They've got a really good midfield. Uh, They've got a lot of, you know, guys that can do a lot of jobs. So I think they are another team that could really cause uh, some problems if they can sort of break out of their mode of like just passing around the goal and then not scoring. But I, I think this is a, a really, really, really exciting tournament. You, you were saying Yarmouchuk for top score. Do you have
1: I um, I don't think that your, not top that your pick? he's one to look out for, uh, but a uh, top score. I mean, ugh. that's hard. That's hard. Yeah. Um... Maybe I'll go with some. Well, no, because I don't think they'll go far. That's um, the
0: problem. It's like it's like if- Lewandowski.
1: Lewandowski would be a shout. Uh, I just, would just like the whole the team, um, who, it's just like hard because like they have some players, but then like they're starting like click, uh, like from leads at center mid. You're just like ooh, uh, but not that he's I, I whatever you know what I mean. Just like like the quality is still lacking and like Blick from uh who used to play for Marseille and does he still play for Marseille uh but he's been in the league for a while but point is just like he's like he must be like 35 at this point so yeah um do you want to quickly I I I, yeah I'll I'll go I'll go I'll go he's he's on Benevento now oh my god geez well he was he he was he he was he, he was on Monaco yeah he was on Monaco yeah um uh yeah Monica, sorry uh do you want to quickly go through the groups and just say who we predict yeah Maybe the top two we're gonna make all right, right yeah
0: uh group a italy switzerland turkey wales uh who's your top two uh i
1: think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go hmm you know what let's shake it up i'll go uh i'll believe the hype i'll go turkey first italy second
0: hmm. i'll go uh I'll go Italy uh, and Switzerland, and I think Turkey will get a one of the third place qualifiers, and I think Bel- Wales will be last. Group B, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, Russia. We haven't really talked about this Belgium team. You don't think they're going to do that well, right? Uh, see, okay, Belgium are like another team as in, okay, look, they're obviously they're a small team, so it's like a small country, so they feel generations more than others. I think at In some areas of the pitch, they are stacked. Like, attack-wise, you've know got Lukaku. I know Eden Hazard isn't the player he was a few years ago, but he's still a very solid player. Mertens, Carrasco, Thorgan Hazard. I think their right side of the pitch is, like, pretty solid. They've got, you know, Castagne on Leicester. Uh, Yuri Tillemans in midfield is very good. Uh, They've got a lot of players. But then defensively, like... (laughs) they're still starting Alderville for Tongan and Thomas Vermaelen is coming off the bench who it feels literally has been, you know, Arsenal like, legend. Yeah. He's like playing in fucking Japan. So I, I do think that they have some issues. I, I think they're a very solid team. I just don't know if they're a semifinal team. Like I, I just think that there's a scenario in which they struggle in a group game and they get caught out. That's yeah. my take.
1: I agree. I still um, think. Yeah, I still think they'll 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 get out of the group. Um, oh yeah,
0: I, I think Denmark are also very solid. So I think my, my predictions for this are Denmark, Belgium, Russia, Finland.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. I'll go Belgium, Russia, Finland, Denmark. Uh, maybe Herdecki on Finland. Maybe Denmark's a big disappointment. I just don't really know who they have other than like
0: Poulsen and Rexon. Um Was okay. yeah uh, yeah Was greatest def- greatest defender in the world, Andres Christensen um group group c
1: let's hear it see
0: we'll give we'll give more focus to group c on a later episode uh because both of us are paying special attention to this um i am gonna pick um jesus like this group's so shitty um (laughs) ukraine sorry uh ukraine netherlands austria north macedonia Ooh, the, going, the bias the boys. is boys now infiltrated in it. Yeah, space. the bias is infiltrated. I I just like I, I,
1: for Ukraine. Interesting. Uh, I I want to say that just these friendlies have been kind of tough to watch recently. I have oh, to, definitely I have to say that. Uh, the Northern Ireland game was also like actually full strength. The rest of the games were just kind of like basically Dinamo Kiev playing international games. Uh, so uh, now that some of the actual names are coming to play coming back and I think uh, Zena, uh comes back to training uh or was in training this week so um uh yeah I think I, I think that they'll definitely get I, I think they'll definitely get top two um which is the fact that like that's a not a guarantee but like uh, so I'll go I'll go Netherlands Ukraine Austria I think that the classic lineup um, I think Austria really I mean, is Arnautovic still playing? Like, who do they have up front? Uh, I'm, I, I don't know. Other than Alaba, Hinteregger, I, I really don't. That Austria team.
0: Yeah, they're not. They're not a great team.
1: But remember, it was always just like it was always just like Alaba and I'm just trying to think of like why why that team was like exciting at at any point. I'm looking at their squad. They literally, yeah, they have no other than Alaba and. Uh, yeah, Hinteregger, Dragovic. They don't really have anyone. It was always Arnatovic. Right? Like, Arnatovic was yeah. kind of fun to watch. But I don't even. Is he playing anywhere? I don't think he is. Yeah,
0: I have to be honest. Anyway. Uh, I think,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, poor Macedonia. I don't. Yeah, yeah, they
0: got Sabitzer. Sabitzer is good. Oh, uh, Sabitzer. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. Um, Yeah. North Macedonia, I don't think, have much of a chance, but who knows? Uh, group D, though, I think another fun group. Croatia, Czech Republic, England, Scotland. That England-Scotland game will be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, a semifinal of the 2018 World Cup rematch in England against Croatia. Uh, Turner, who's your first place in this group?
1: This is a really – every team in this group is good. I think we're yeah. also a little bit slept on. That could be a good dark horse shout um, with Suchek and Sufal, or West Ham's almighty Czechs having great seasons. Um Ah, I think Croatia is just like such a weird team. Um, I'll go Croatia, England, Scotland, Czech Republic. Um, because I do think I do think Croatia has a good amount of quality, and I don't think England's going to do that great. And I want Scotland to do a lot better, but maybe they'll get into the next round through. Can you explain? I, I, to be quite honest, I'm trying to remember what the third place, how that works out. Do
0: they? I think play? three. Like they. they- how many groups are there there's um like a certain six groups so four top two i'd imagine
1: it's like uh, maybe or four it goes around
0: in the 16 so the top four out of six so if you get third place you have a good chance of qualifying especially if you win a game uh but yeah so my picks are unfortunately for the scots boys i don't think they're gonna do it um i think england will win the group croatia second czech republic in third scotland in fourth um but that's a group I think we should all watch out for. Uh, Group E, Poland, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. Sweden without Zlatan Ibrahimović, unfortunately for them, but uh, uh, very interesting group. You know, I think any of, like, these teams all have a chance. Uh, My top four is Spain, Poland, Sweden, Slovakia. That's my top four. I know.
1: Uh... I think it, it's hard to argue with that top core um, just because, like, Slovakia are pretty uh, – they just don't have many players other than, like, or, like, Hamsik on Napoli, or well when he played for Napoli, uh, was Slovakian. But, uh, yeah, I don't see Poland – I think the only thing would maybe be Poland finishing first, but I think Spain are, are just too solid for that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Spain, Poland, Sweden, I think makes sense. Even though – You could switch between Slovakia and Sweden just because I don't. I don't think that Sweden team has too much to offer. But um,
0: no, I I don't think so either.
1: But Group F, Group F is by far the one to watch. What everyone has their eyes on. Um, Chaz, how are you? uh, How are you rationalizing how this group is going to finish?
0: Okay, Uh, I think. um, I think Germany are like honestly not bad. Uh, I think they're better than they were in 2018 because I think a Thomas Muller's back in the side. Uh, I think they have, like, a. Pr- I think Rudiger's, like, returning to form is good for them. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you know, the fact that your midfield is Kimmich, Gundogan, Kroos, and Gosens is, like, pretty insane. They've got yeah. uh, attackers of, like, Havertz, Muller, Nabry, Werner, um, Sané. They've got people that come, come off the bench like Nikola Sula. They've got a young Jamal Musiala. They're a really good team. So um, I think that they could beat one of France and Portugal. I don't think they will be either. So I am honestly going to pick France, Germany, Portugal, Hungary. Portugal was never a really good group stage team. Um, Like they finished third in their group in 2016 when they won uh, the tournament. So I think that there's, and I just can't, I just, uh, that France Portugal game might suck. (laughs) It might really be bad or it might be awesome. Uh, it's not going to be mediocre. Uh, so uh, I think it's a really exciting group, but I think undoubtedly, you know, the group of death or whatever, but the group to watch.
1: Yeah. I'll go, just to check it out. I'll go, I'll go France, Portugal, Germany, um, Hungary. Ugh, but just so hard to just like, it's annoying because like I wish like Hungary was in like that group E because I think Hungary would yeah. like maybe finish second. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't think yeah. like that bad um and they got some really fun components and 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 uh they uh, i mean because orban doesn't give it two shits uh i think when they play they, they have a few either two or they have one or two home games in that group stage and orban has said 100 fans a lot all right either 100 <laughs> near 100 capacity which i think it's like one yes. of the only two stadiums that's allowing like more than like 50 capacity or something so that game's gonna be rocking uh for hungary uh and you know i know hungarians uh take their football seriously so that'll be fun um uh yeah i'm just hoping that romania allows 30 percent fans for those group c matches because it'd be fun to see some ukrainians in the stands as well as uh some macedonians coming all the way up so um yeah it's gonna be a crazy tournament i'm just it feels almost like disorienting to have like proper international football after all these like stupid nations league matches where like i've been like told to care but i haven't really cared so now that like i'm watching national like like national teams actually have like their best lineup because they have to have their best lineup instead of just like why not it'll be really fun um and yeah i don't know isn't just a little disorienting that like we're having like a proper international tournament i don't know i just feel like it's been so long um so i'm excited guys i'm super excited
0: no, yeah, uh, I just looked it up. Budapest is allowing all 61,000 fans. But you right. need a, if you're, a, if you're a Hungarian, you need an immunity card and a negative PCR test. Uh, okay. okay, so some legislation around it.
1: Uh, I, I mean, knowing Orban, I'd imagine there's nothing, but um, yeah, yeah. you sit. never know. That's
0: going to be sad. um But yeah, but I think it's going to be a great tournament. I am super excited to catch the games, and I'm sure we'll break them down in more detail uh, in the episodes to come uh turner anything you want to close with nothing Chaz. that seems like uh, seems like we've covered all <laughs> so yeah much. it's been too long but we're gonna get a lot of these out over the summer um yeah and get a lot of content for you as always there's writing on site uh there you know i read a piece yesterday about portugal uh it's up there and uh, on heads in the game.com as always follow us on Apple podcasts and Spotify at heads in the game, Twitter at Heads in the game. Our blog is headsinthegame.com, And I think that'll do it. Uh, Turner. Thanks again. Uh, next episode. We will have uh, Chris back uh, to talk uh, Spurs and other stuff. Um,
1: Conference Ollie has,
0: yeah. Conference league. Ollie has gone full uh, Chris McCandless. So we might not ever see him again, uh, but he sends his best regards. Uh, and until next time, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.